Father, we thank you indeed for the extraordinary length and depth of your love for us. And we pray now as we hear John 19 read to us by friends from around the world, we pray that we might reflect upon something of that love. Help us to see the, the extent of your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, as Dan said, we will be reading from the whole of John 19. So please do turn to that in your Bibles. It will also be coming up on the screen as well from the NIV version. Um, so, yeah, John 19, and there will be four of us doing readings from it. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation, a Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate. Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. 
When the soldiers crucified Jesus, he took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left of the, on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs, legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, and they found he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth, and he te testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus's body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Um, all kinds of things we could say um, from that chapter. Thank you very much, um, those of you who are reading for us. But all kinds of things we could say. Um, we're going to zoom in on verse, uh, inappropriate, sorry. We're going to look at verse 26 and verse 27. Um, uh, those verses that Amy read for us. Just a, a tiny little detail um, in the text, but I think full of richness um, and truth. Let me read them again. Verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother there, 
and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It's a beautiful, moving eyewitness detail. It's the, it's the kind of thing that could only really be recorded by one who was there, um, listening, watching. And so here is John writing down for us something that he saw and he heard at the cross. In the midst of the brutality, we, we find kindness. In the midst of death, we, we find life. In the midst of hatred, we find love. And in the midst of taking away, of ripping away, we find giving. Do you see why? Because John's life was never the same again. He's, he's gained a mother. And Mary's life, never the same again. She, she's gained a son because Mary now is seemingly a widow, unable to provide for herself. So with Jesus out of the picture, she would be, she would be destitute. I'm told it would have been common in ancient times for mothers at times like this, about to lose their sons, to be entrusted to somebody else for care. It's unusual that it's not one of Jesus's earthly brothers. You get hints that through John's gospel, maybe they aren't yet believers. Notice as well that the detail that the story has come full circle. If you know John's gospel, you'll know that at the very beginning of John's gospel, that the first sign that John records, it's the most famous wedding in the world in John chapter two at least before this pandemic started, that the, the wedding would be referred to Saturday by Saturday at wedding services around the world, that there was Jesus revealing something of his identity and his glory at the beginning. Do you remember they ran out of wine? Mary comes to Jesus and says, can you help them? And there's confusion. It's Jesus saying his time has not yet come, but still he provides the wine for the banquet, for the party. He provides what they need in a hopeless situation, dealing with the shame and embarrassment of the host family who's run out of, of, of wine at a wedding. And he shows them something of the abundance of the kingdom as well. So in one sense, this, this final sign at the end of John's gospel is a very different setting from the, from the one at the beginning. We've moved from, from the wedding to the cross, a time of celebration to a time of sadness, from a, a feast to a funeral. But actually, it's striking. In another sense, the settings are quite similar. There's still confusion, but now his time has come. And once again, you get that he's providing what Mary needs. Once again, he's dealing with shame. Once again, he's, he's giving them life and abundance. And he pours himself out for them and for us. Once again, we see something of his his beauty and his glory. There's Jesus looking down from the cross, literally dying. And he is very kind, isn't he? Isn't that striking? Despite the reality of his situation, despite his pain and his suffering, he, is, he very practically cares for these two people. We see here on the cross, he's, he's the powerful king 
who rules from a cross at Golgotha. He's the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. Here is one whose love is as wide as the world and yet his embrace for each of us is personal. He, he knows us, he knows what we're going through. He's aware of anxiety and stress and fear, particularly at the moment perhaps. He knows we've had enough of isolation and these Zoom calls. And yet he's a God who is kind and who provides what we need. But it's more than that, it's more than just kindness. I think there's something bigger going on as he gives John to Mary and Mary to John. I take it here in micro, just these two little verses, we see what he will do in macro. Here is the little story, but it shows us something of the big story. What's the big story? Well, because of the cross, there's a new family that's been created. A new family is, is gathered, founded. A new family begins. Nothing will, will ever be the same again because of the cross. And we see just a glimmer of that with John and Mary. But as the story continues, we see that being worked out in the pages of scripture. If you have a Bible, um, let me encourage you to flick on to chapter 20, uh, verse 17 to 18. Um, we are kind of sneaking ahead to Sunday and beyond, if you like. John chapter 20 and verse 17 and 18. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So you see, it's, it's next week. It's after the resurrection. Mary Magdalene has met Jesus unexpected. And after the meeting, she runs to the disciples and she tells them that she's met him. But just look at verse 17. How does Jesus describe his disciples? Again, we kind of skim past it without even noticing. She describes, Jesus describes his disciples as brothers. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. And you know, I think that's the first time he does that. But it's not the last. It's as if because of his death, Jesus now has a family. They are now of the same family. Everything is different. His death creates the church. And you see what begins here, what we glimpse with John and Mary, what is worked out after the resurrection becomes something of a theme for John. In fact, it's one of John's favourite themes. It, it, he tracks that idea and it works its way out into his later letters. So he will say, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to, to love each other. In fact, he will say very challengingly to not love a brother or sister in Christ, one who is part of our new family, may even bring into question whether we're really a part of that family, John will say. You see, this is the way that God works through people. He puts us into a church family, into church families around the world. And that came because of the cross. You've probably heard this, um, this parable uh, before, but I think it's powerful. Man was trapped in his house during a flood. 
he, he began praying to God to rescue him. He had a vision in his head of, of God's hand reaching down from safety and lifting him, plucking him um, from his uh, flooded house. And the water starts to rise and his neighbour shouts to him, come, 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 I have, I have space in my car for you. And the man yells back, it's fine, I'm waiting for God to save me. The neighbour drives away. And the man continues to pray, holding on to his vision. The water gets higher and higher and the boat comes by. People heading for safe ground, they yell to the man, grab on, grab on. He said, no, no, it's okay, I'm waiting for God to save me. They shake their heads and they speed away. He continues to pray, the water gets higher and higher, the helicopter flies by and a voice from a loudspeaker shouts, come, come, come. And the man shouts back, it's okay, I'm waiting for God to save me. And the flooding water comes over the roof and sweeps the man away. It's a slightly silly illustration, but it matters because, because you see, when we're the guy in the flood waiting for God to answer our prayers, he may already have provided what we need. Maybe he's put a family around us. Maybe he's put friendships. Maybe he's put people in our lives. Maybe he's put us into something called a church. Maybe we now have brothers and sisters who are indeed with us, brothers and sisters of Christ. God's kindness is seen in giving us other people, people to provide for us. Indeed, people to be provided for. Often other people are the means by which God works and provides. Maybe, maybe we've seen something of that being worked out particularly strongly, particularly powerfully in these last few weeks. Who can we be providing for? Which brothers and sisters, now united because of the cross in this new family called the church, who can we be showing kindness to? And loving or indeed who do we need to be asking for help because we're struggling Double sometimes we can be too proud can't we to think that we need others thanks very much for the offer i'm sure god's got it covered he'll provide something soon but he's been here all along maybe that's one thing we need to be learning better maybe our natural pride gets in the way Maybe that's one thing he's been teaching us through this strange and difficult time, this difficult season. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of his suffering, Jesus was kind. Thank you that he knew what John needed and he knew what Mary needed. Thank you that he knows what we need. And so we thank you that he gives us one another. Thank you that he, he creates families, he creates the church as he dies on the cross in our place. Lord, thank you for Magdalen Road. Thank you that we, in many ways, love each other well. And yet we pray that you would continue to help us to do that. As, as this season goes on, as things get complicated and painful, we pray that we might look to Jesus for strength.
to love one another.